Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I got to just switch over from bars and beats. Yep. That, that's a thing that Lee said before the recording. I just like, like when there's technical jargon of like the technicals, I like to pick up on it and just put it out there so I look cool. Yeah. Totally. Also joining us, the Bruce, the... I produce, he's produced the radio show. I produced this show. I forgot what show we're recording. <laughs> it's very late in the evening. He's also, in addition to his radio show producing duties, he is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. I am. Work that often involves both bars and beats. Yes, that's very true. Making his triumphant return to the podcast after a couple of weeks of serving youth and then dealing with the diseases which they carry. <laughs> One of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Nooker, Tennessee, Lee Younger. I have returned from the dead. I am ready to dispense wisdom as if from beyond the grave. Wow. Ooh. It's wisdom time, people. Ghostly he's, wisdom. It's like uh, it's like he went to the mountaintop, you know, and got the wisdom. That's right. From the fever. It, it is true that the last time that, that you guys recorded a podcast, I basically felt like to die would be an improvement on the way that I felt. Oh. Wow. I would have been like, this is good. <laughs> this is a good thing. A good thing has happened to me. Well, we're glad you didn't die, buddy. I'm back. That we baby. know of. <laughs> we're well, all yeah. in the sky. We can't prove that Lee has corporeal form. That's right. Here is a good point. It needs to be a ghostly apparition. This week on Ghost Hunters. Help me, help me, Obi Wan Lenobi. You're my only hope. Very nice. And also appreciate that you committed enough to do your hair for that joke. Yes. But before the wisdom dispensing can happen, we have to declare. The most wonderful emergency of the year. What it's emergency is that? Everyone's most magical time. Mm. There's, you know, the turkey is roasting. The stuffing yeah. is being prepared and criticized. Yeah. The bowl of wrath <laughs> is being formed. It's time for Gripes Giving, y'all. Oh, yeah! Gripes Giving 2018. If you are new to the show, Gripes Giving is our favorite holiday. It is an invention of one Glennard Fitzgerald. Yes. Because Thanksgiving isn't really up our alley. No. As a figure day to be thankful. We're supposed to be thankful all the time. That's so right. We figure that's not much of a holiday. A holiday right. is when you get it out. Yeah. So when you take all your grapes that have built up over the last 11 or so months and just spew them all over your loved ones. Yeah. And we'd like to, uh, to bring that to you in audio form right now. That's right. Every okay. year, we, the staff will get together and we have Gripesgiving. This is a real thing. Oh, yeah. Here. Uh, maybe give them a sense of the the liturgical structure of the gripes giving. Well, we uh, we begin with a, a lovely meal, yep. a potluck style meal with all our people, and then comes out the uh, the handmade bowl of wrath. Yep. Which our own Tasha Lawson a couple of years ago literally made a bowl of wrath. Yeah. Um, hand hewn and stamped with its title. We all write down um, however many uh, gripes we can. When a little slip of paper, so you know. The ladies, who are all good people, have a couple of few, kind of this in front of me. And then Glenn's just ripping off full legal pad page after legal pad page. Right. Tossing it in there. We have a lovely meal, lovely dessert. And then it's time for the gripes giving. Yeah. Which goes in a circular fashion. Somebody pulls out a slip of paper out of the bowl of wrath. And whoever's gripe that is, has free reign to just run. Yep. And then we're ended with a liturgical touch. From our own Jed Brewer. 
wearing his ceremonial robes, which may or may not be his wife's bathrobe. Yep. When he implores. Pe- people think we're making this up. Yeah, we're no, not. This is exactly You can scroll through the social medias, and there's pictures of this. Yeah. And if he would be so kind as to do the rendition now, Jed sends a liturgical note to the Lord of Hosts that goes, Here are gripes. Here are gripes. Here are gripes. Gripes men. Yes. And in the true spirit of gripes giving, that is a uh, a version of an older lady where Jed used to go to church who would sing that, but with prayers instead of gripes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes, we did a one-to-one search and replace with gripes for prayers. <laughs> that's really the gripes giving spirit. So we don't have a bowl of wrath for the podcast. Right. We, uh, it's in storage. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, Glenn... So just to give, in case if you want to do a gripes giving home edition, yeah, right. I feel like we should we should play this out. We okay. should let them in on it. So would you kick us off with a gripe? Okay, first of all, uh, one of the my main gripes is we have Thanksgiving that right. we invented right. in America, right? And it's American gripes giving Thanksgiving holiday season, right? But our friends to the north decided mm. they want to have a totally different Thanksgiving. Wow. That has happens whenever they want it to happen. Yeah. All willy nilly. Well, I mean, it happens on the same day every year. And it's like, what we don't maybe we wanna do it on this day. That kind of you know what yep, I mean? Yep, yep. It's like, you know what, you people, it's always something. Well, you know, I think you raise a good point. We know they have a Canadian Thanksgiving. Right. All right. How long do they have a Canadian Gripesgiving? That's mm. the question we need to ask ourselves. Doesn't really feel like they're kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. That, I feel like if you're ensconced in denim, surrounded by, you know, maple syrup, whenever you need it, maybe you don't have anything to gripe about. Well, there's that. I think there's also just a, I just don't think they have the temperament for it. Right. Like, I think they'd start out great guns. Right. And it'd be like, I got a gripe about the traffic in Toronto, and I'm trying to get to work, but it would inevitably turn to. But I mean, those people are trying to get to work too, and it's probably, right. I should probably have a better attitude about it. <laughs> yeah. really, it's nice to live in a, a city where we have so many transportation options and a vibrant economy that's so much going on. So actually, I think this is pretty good. You have failed the spirit of gripes. Yeah, they, 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 they all just circle back around to thankfulness. So what you're saying, and I'm totally on board with this, is what we need is a claymation animated gripe-skiving <laughs> movie that wow. teaches Canadians how to gripe. I'm all for it. Yes. yes. It's kind of an after-school special. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, uh, people may not know this. We have a running feud with Canada. We I thought you were going to say people under the age of 35 may not know what claymation is. <laughs> well, there's that, too. <laughs> but uh, it's like, a you know, because recently we had a, a, a in, in, in insurgency. I don't think that's the right term. Yeah, they came and they... Is that what happens when you drink too many cans of Surge? Yeah. Okay. They We had that... Kidney uh, insurgency. Yeah, I'll yeah. take it right out. Uh, and we, you know, we want to uh, help people f- discover the true meaning of gripes giving. Absolutely. Sure. You know what I mean? It can get commercialized. Yeah. And uh, you have to bring it back to the true uh, mm-hmm. spirit of the holiday. The Starbucks gripes giving cups, they, they're, they're yeah. not in the spirit of the real thing. Mm-hmm. Look, when you're going to Tiffany's and buying a bejeweled bowl of wrath, I think we've lost sight of the spirit of gripes giving. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. right. Unless we get a cut, in which case, right in the spirit of gripes giving. Yeah. 
gripes giving, you know, when you when you're doing the gripes, yeah, you have to remember the uh, gripes is the reason for the season. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the gripes back in gripes giving. That's what I'm talking about. I think, we, I think we may have wandered off the point here. Here's what, but let me just say this. People think like that we make it up, which yeah. we don't. And then people think it's silly. Yeah. But you know what? When Gripesgiving is over, we all feel like a million bucks. We do. And you know what, guys? I think what we should do, I'm going to assert myself in a way that's completely unnecessary and inappropriate. <laughs> Why don't we all go around and we're going to go through the alphabet. We'll oh, start no. with the letter A. To real. And we're going to give something that we're rageful for. <laughs> oh, so, okay. Um, we're rageful for. Glenn, what is something, starting with the letter A, that angers you? And you know what? To make it a softball start, anger can be your choice. <laughs> well, thank you. I Well, I was trying to think of a denomination that started with A. Anglicans. <laughs> well, they haven't done anything. I don't really to, deal with them the yet. They haven't enraged me this year. So I was that, recently in their they're land. Safe. They're doing a lovely job. <laughs> I mean, if we if we get down to Presbyterian, I, I want to reserve the letter P, please. A Presbyterian. It's <laughs> <A> pre- <laughs> <laughs> more than one. I promise you. All Presbyterian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, all, all Presbyterians. Presbyterians. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's 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 very good. That's yes. Right. Now, Lee, we'll take you for the letter B. I'll remind our listeners that you were raised in a Baptist church. If you want to use that as a jumping right. off point, you're welcome to. Lee, something that starts with B that makes you angry. I will make it related to Baptist uh, church people. That is the restaurant that they have created. The bad Christian music in the Chick Fil A. Oh, excellent oh, choice. Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, man, this is a good restaurant with the worst music <laughs> in a public space okay. in the history of music. Not only is it bad music versions of bad worship songs, but it's bad music versions of bad worship songs that were produced originally in the 90s. Yeah, that's true. So we're talking... Oh. oh we're talking 25-year-old <laughs> bad music versions of bad worship songs, and they're turned up just loud enough to where you can't tune them out and just have a conversation. You almost have to engage with them. I mean, I'm either going to start singing the bad song, or, I mean, this this is the deal. It has me ready for Christmas music. I'm like, Whoa. Chick-fil-A, switch to the Christmas music. We've got to get rid of your music version of uh, I Can Only Imagine. I'm coming back to the heart of gripes giving, where it's all about rage. It's all about rage. And that'll bring us to Matt. Matthew, something that begins with the letter C. Well, Aunt Jed, who apparently decided this is the way we were doing things this year, I'm going to go with uh, Christmas. Oh, Oh, good choice. In all its various and sundry forms. Yeah. Because we're in, we record this the week before Thanksgiving, or as it is now, pre-Christmas. Yeah. Aren't you excited about Christmas? Because you get to do it for six weeks now. Yeah. Who started that? I mean, Walmart, probably. Let me tell you what. Day after Thanksgiving, maybe, before that, it, you know, calm yourself. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, keep in mind, that's a great point, Glenn. I don't mean Christmas music. Okay. I don't mean Christmas decorations. Okay. I mean the very concept. Okay. You if you just want to put up the decorations, that's fine. Right. It's, you know, it's tinsel. It's lovely. It's lights. Right. The music, it's not great, but having worked in retail for many years, uh, my brain is dead to it. And now they're just, you're, <laughs> after a certain amount of time, your body just 
creates a defense where it'll just make all Christmas music white noise. Right. Um, I just mean people who are excited about Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. This early. Yeah. Those and this is an important point about Gripes Giving. Um, here, here, here's the, the cardinal rule of Gripes Giving. Yeah. You don't have to be right. No. no. <laughs> this is no. about gripes are inherently unjustified. Yeah. Right. That's right. This is the, this is the true sphere of gripe is Christmas didn't hurt anything. People out there, they enjoy it. They want to wear a right. sweater. They want to look for Christmas parties. The fear of Christ giving is me looking at that and being like, just, just to hell with you and your joy. Right. <laughs> that's that's right. giving. That's great. That's the Christ giving spirit. You yeah. know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So if we mention a thing on Christ giving that you like, we're not knocking the thing. Right. We're acknowledging our own just unhappiness as people that, that, as brought out by this thing. That's the beauty of the gripe is it's inside you. It's yep. got to come out. There's yeah. no, there's no wrong way to gripe. That's yeah. that's I've I've said that many times. And Jed, with that in mind, would you uh, close us out by taking letter D? The letter D, something that starts with D, that would make me angry. Yeah, I what a thing, a place, a person that starts with the letter <laughs> D. Like it could be like someone's first name. Yeah, specific. I I can't. It would need to be something huge. Uh-huh. Something classy. Something gold. Something just gold. Mm, just yeah. just big. Yeah. Big, big gold. and gold and huge and classy and Al- tremendous. Almost bloated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think we're gonna beat the comedy of that one. So Nat, I declare a huge successful emergency Wow. Office. Some people are saying it's the greatest scraps giving bit we've ever done. Uh, uh, more and more uh, people are saying that. Uh, everyone's saying that. I understand. Sad. Uh, that was the biggest gripes giving event ever. Uh, the numbers are there to prove it. I got a picture and everything, but I have a feeling that gripe might get uh, completed on gripes giving. Count on it. It might come up. Yes, we're going to move on because uh, there's the part of us that's the gripes giving part that we get out on this show. Then there's the part of us that is the trying to be well behaved at a Christmas function part. And that's represented by Bridgebox. That's Ooh. that's where we put on a, a a press shirt and we comb our hair, and we really do try to contribute and be helpful. <laughs> yeah, With songs and sermons and Bible studies and all sorts of great stuff for only eight dollars a month. You can go to missionusa.com/slash/bridgebox to check all that out. It's a great time to jump on. Mm-hmm. We're continuing to talk about. Jed, help me out here in November. In the month of November, we are... Well, let's talk about the month of December, because oh, I know for that. sure well, what that close is. That. So the month of December, I believe, is about prayer, right? Yes. Yeah. I yeah, do pray. Right. We've preached the sermons. We've recorded songs. Lots of great stuff. Close out the year looking at prayer. Again, that's missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, I'm jumping to our first question here. Everything else all the way to the end. I'll use some ways you can get in touch with this. Ask us any question that's on your mind. First question comes in anonymously and it says... I want to keep fighting and make changes in my life, but some days I'm not sure I'm the kind of person who can make it work. How do I know if I'm I'm really more than just a loser? That's a great question. Very honest. And Jed, where do we start off? I think this is awesome. I'm really glad that you wrote in. I'm glad you asked. And of course, the pat answer that I'm supposed to tell you is you're not a loser. And here's the thing is I actually believe that to the core of my soul, but I think you should walk all the way through that. I don't think you should take my word for it. I think you should actually get into it because it's hard to base your life on platitudes. I think you need to, to face this doubt head on. And so I'd like to help you through that. To that end, the question that I would like to ask is when you succeed or fail, because you do both, literally every person on the planet does both. There are no exceptions. So when you succeed or fail, do you know the specifics 
of why with that thing you succeeded or you failed? Or alternately, does it feel like that success or failure is just kind of an ongoing bit of commentary on the kind of person you are deep down inside? And here's why it's important to get into that. If you succeed a lot, and you feel like it's basically a commentary on the kind of person you are, you will be an egomaniac. That's how that will end. If you fail a lot, and you receive it as commentary on the kind of person that you are, you will see yourself as a loser. That's how that's going to turn out. But, of course, if we can pull the camera back, what we might notice is there are always reasons why things succeed or fail, almost all of which have nothing to do with the kind of person that you are. That's, that's just not right. how stuff works. I mean, put it to you this way. If you want to bake a cake, um, you could look up a recipe for a cake, go to the store and buy all the ingredients, then follow the steps in the recipe, and at the end, you would probably have a cake. That doesn't mean you're an inherently great baker. That doesn't mean you're an inherently good person. That means you had a good strategy that you followed, and it worked. If you decided, I want to make a cake, but I want to do it my own way, I'm not going to have any recipe, and I don't really know how to cook, I'm just going to find things in my refrigerator, throw them in a bowl, and stick it in the oven, and hope there's cake on the other side. I don't need your fascist cake rules, Mary Berry. I do it my way. (laughs) Okay, it's not going to work. What you're going to have at the end is going to be a literally hot mess. But that doesn't make you a bad person. That just means you had a terrible strategy to approach this problem. You had a strategy that never could work. There was no amount of moral goodness that was going to allow this to succeed. You know, uh, Pete and I, Pete's one of our staff members, we were just in county jail earlier today. And um, we're talking with the brothers there, and these are are fine men who are seeking the Lord, and and they're doing a good job. And it would be a temptation, particularly when you hit low points in life, to feel like, okay, this is just who I am. This is just, I'm the kind of guy who goes to jail. And that's just, that, that'll be me for the rest of my life. What we've been doing this work long enough to see is those same guys, if they have a good strategy that they're working, five years from now, you wouldn't recognize them. Right. And if they told you they'd spent time behind bars, you would struggle to believe them. It would just not seem like a credible claim. There's a saying that gets used a lot in recovery circles. The people who knew you then wouldn't believe where you are now. The people who know you now wouldn't believe where you were then. And it's really true. The thing that makes that possible, though, is good strategy. It's good wisdom. It's having an approach to the stuff that you're facing that can work, that is likely to work. A a thing they talk about in recovery, again, is the idea of it works when you work it, when you have a good plan and you work that plan, you will see success happen. That's not about whether or not you're a good person to the core of your soul. It's about having a good strategy and working it. You are capable of doing that, so we want to encourage you with whatever problems you're facing to go find that good strategy, get the things you need to do it, and then one day at a time, work it. That's a really fantastic place to start. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here, and let's flesh out a little bit more of what that working it looks like as far as having as Jed is pointing out, some goals we can achieve, some things we can check off the list, start building a little momentum. Right. Um, yeah, this this goes right off of the back of where Jeb was going. I love where he was taking that. And I think that one of the things that can happen to people typically is the idea that I'm I'm not finished being a loser until I have achieved in at the end every single thing I've ever wanted to get done. So I, I what I mean by that is 
I'm not ready to celebrate that anything good has happened until I get to the end of every goal I've ever had. Yes. Um, I, I'm a, I am, you know, so Jed's talking about, you know, five years from now, this person who's entered into recovery, you wouldn't recognize them. The idea there in some people's minds is I can't consider myself going anywhere until I'm at the end of that unbelievably difficult process that, by the way, has about a kabillion constituent parts. Um, one of the things that I would suggest as part of this good strategy that Jed's talking about is that we have to way, way change what our goal is, and we need to start learning how to celebrate all the little pieces that make up all the little goals that we have. So, uh, for instance, instead of saying, my goal is to get to the place where I have, uh, you know, um, I have, you know, I have three months salary saved up. I've got an apartment on my own and I've got, uh, I've got uh, my healthcare sorted and I've got, uh, you know, some retirement built up and then equity in whatever housing situation I've got going on. Those are all great goals. Those are all goals that take years to get figured out. No doubt. So what we want to do is we want to start with, I want to apply for some jobs. I want to figure out what jobs can I apply for today. I want to start looking for some housing that I can possibly afford. Maybe I need a roommate. Maybe I need this or that, whatever the situation is. I want to figure out what my transportation to my job is going to be. Now, these are all small things that that you can do within the day that you're living. And when you write out those things, when you, when you have the kinds of goals that you can achieve a little bit at a time, a little bit here and a little bit there, and then whenever you mark something off that list, you celebrate it like you have achieved every goal that you've ever set out for. And then you will start to see yourself as a different person. I'm not the person that is a loser at everything I ever do. I actually accomplished my goal today. Now, I don't have my retirement set up and uh, the healthcare thing sorted and equity in my home. I don't have all that kind of stuff. I don't have the car paid for or whatever, but I did apply for a job today. So in today's goal, I was 100% successful. That kind of a mindset completely changes the way stuff looks. Breaking down my ultimate goal into its constituent parts and learning how to celebrate the achievement of all those little pieces. The other part that can really turn that strategy loose is searching for, finding, communicating with, or praying for the kind of friend in your life who knows how to be a cheerleader in that process. Yep. Finding the person who understands, this is what my challenges are. These are the little goals that I'm trying to achieve. And somebody that's aware of that process, who knows what my hangups are and what my worries are, what my fears are in the middle of that, and then can help me look at this and say, dude, you applied for the job today? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get it. I don't know how I'm going to interview. Oh, time out, time out. We're not talking about if you're going to get it or, or how you're going to interview. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the fact that today you applied for a job. Every single goal that you set out for today, you completely achieved. I say we go get coffee and we celebrate that. Let's go right now. Um, you, If you have that person in your life who can be a cheerleader, who helps you see what your challenges are, what your fears are, and helps you celebrate the, the breaking down of all these constituent parts and, 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 
and just counting those W's, counting those wins, those victories as they happen, as they occur, it's totally going to change the way that you see that you see yourself as you develop this good strategy that Jed's talking about. Really fantastic uh, way to take that. I love what he's saying there, and Glenn, these guys have looked, done a really good job looking at that uh, practical part of this. Let's let's pull the camera out a little bit and look to these. Uh, kind of a little bit of what Jed starts with, with that idea of a narrative you tell yourself because. One of the things we, we all know to be true is that if you start off with a with a, a, a concept, a narrative, um, you can find evidence to support that. As, as right. Jeff pointing out, someone who just starts out with "I am a winner," <laughs> often that comes from "I was maybe raised as the dominant culture with a lot of money and started out and just kind of everyone candied my rear end my entire childhood." So right. there's a lot of winning to be found. Um, but just as powerful, you thought if you start out with "I'm a loser," you can. We all know people who have all the whole list of things Lee just mentioned who would still just say, well, I'm not really doing anything. It's not really going well and all that. So these narratives are powerful things. So how do we go about defining one and changing one when we're on the wrong one? Well, yeah, I think a big part of it, you know, this person says, am I the kind of person uh, who, who can make this work? Uh, let's forget about what kind of person you are. Uh, let's talk about the kind of person you're becoming. That's the whole thing that these other fellows are talking about. This is about transformation. This is about growth. This yeah. is about uh, hitting a whole new level, getting into a whole new life and lifestyle and new friends and new everything. This is a new thing you're becoming, and you're becoming that thing little by little, day by day, as these fellows are saying. You have these uh, little milestones that you cross that you should celebrate uh, It's about what you're becoming. Don't look at who you are now and say, am Am I, as the person I am now, capable of doing this thing? Well, heck no. That's why you failed at it up to now. But you're <laughs> becoming something different. You're coming, becoming something more. There is a transformation taking place within you that the Holy Spirit is working in inside of you. Uh, we need to yield to that. We need to give into that. We need to let that uh, take place. So that's that's about the kind of person that God is is changing me into being me into being, and I I need to recognize that that is me becoming a less of a big pile of hangups and more the person He created me to be. Uh, so in in that sense, I'm becoming true to myself, but I'm not true to my current uh, uh, you know nature, my sinful nature, and my personality, and all those things. So I, I need to get out of that type of person that I am kind of thinking. Uh, you, you're talking about being concerned that you're a loser, and I'm with Jed. I think we need to entertain the idea. I, I don't think you are. I, I don't think a loser would ask this question, so there's that. Uh, but we might as well answer the question so that it's clear in our minds. Uh, a loser is someone who's afraid of winning. That's really what that's about. There are a lot of people that that uh, they won't ask that person out because they're afraid that person will say no. But and that's what they'll tell you. But if you ask a lot of those people, are you a little bit more afraid of what if this person said yes? Uh-huh. And would you know what to do next and would you feel overwhelmed by that and everything else? So we have a funny way of of taking a fear of failure and using that to hide what is actually a fear of success. The truth is a lot of us have that fear of success, fear that we don't know what we would do or how to act and whether we'd be able to pull it off. We end up sabotaging ourselves and getting into a situation where we're creating failure because it's comfortable for us and it feels normal. It feels everything is right with the world. Uh, 
but you are getting out of that, like I said, simply by asking this question, by saying, okay, I'm moving on, and I'm not going to settle for failure. I'm going to try. I, I might fail it at trying to achieve this thing, but I'm not failing to get started, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, here's the bottom line. You, as you are now, can't make this work, but God can. That's mm. the thing that we're discovering here, is God can, and he wants to do that through you. He, has, he wants to uh, uh, use you in that way. And you need uh, mentors, and as Lee is saying, people who will celebrate with you, but also uh, mentors that can give you a sense of how to achieve these things. You know, it's the it's the going to the job interview and what sort of clothes do you wear, what sort of things do you say, how do you carry yourself, the nuts and bolts of how to get to a place of success. If you take that and add to that the strength that God is giving you and the way that he's transforming you, it might be messy, it might be bumpy, it might be ups and downs, but man, you are going to get where you're going, no doubt in my mind whatsoever. It's all really, really great stuff. And it, I think to to build on something Glenn's saying there, a lot of kind of this idea, as he's saying, what, what the kind of question of, am I the kind of person who can pull this off? What kind of person does this? Those are really not helpful questions a lot of times, because um, if you find yourself in that situation, then yes, yes, you are. The idea of that imposter syndrome idea is a powerful thing, but one of the, the ways to, that you kind of build towards overcoming that is, is switching that mindset to, oh, I got, you know, I got this job I wanted, but I'm not sure if I'm the kind of person who can do this job or should have this job to let this, in some level, let the circumstances dictate that reality of the people who run this company gave me this job. Therefore, I am inherently the kind of person who should have this job. Right. And now I may need to, as these guys are saying, build some skills or do, make some steps to be successful in the job, to, to move up to all that stuff. But that, am I the kind of person who can or should just get their foot in the door? Your, your foot is in the door. Um, there's a very popular meme online, which goes back to something we may have closed our emergency with, of the... The prayer of, Lord, give me the confidence of a mediocre white man. <laughs> and that's powerful in a number of reasons. One, because it's just hilarious. Uh, but the other thing, I think the, when pe- the, the idea under that is kind of, it is a thing of like, you know, kind of upper middle class white guys. One of the things about as speaking as one is you never really question, wait, do I belong here? There's just, you've been told your entire life, whether it's the, the advanced class or the good restaurant or whatever. This is, you know, you're, you're fine here. No one's going to question you being here. And you can, uh, that can kind of, that gets in your skin a little bit to say, well, if, sure, if I'm here, it must be a place I belong and can roll. And there's not a lot of things I would say we should all take for middle-aged white men, but that's kind of one of them. If you're here, you don't have to question whether or not you're here. And that can free you up well, to get past some of that imposter stuff to do, act on the really good advice these guys are giving as far as what it takes to, to kind of take that next step and be successful. That's all great stuff. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, some of my family have very different views on what it means to be Christian than I do. That makes seeing them around the holidays really draining. Any tips for survival? Ah, the great Thanksgiving question. Tips for survival. And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Wow. Um, yeah, first of all, let's just commiserate for a second that some of this stuff is difficult and it sucks. Um, it sucks to try to figure out how do I navigate these conversations with somebody that real I mean, like we supposedly both believe in Jesus. We really see the world in different ways. 
And we really see the people in the world in different ways. I think one of the big things is that, that I think is a trouble, that kind of causes trouble in this situation. Some of it is just kind of the culture of Twitter, you know, in the sense that, here's what I mean by that. There's a sense in which my job in this, in, in the way the world is now, is to respond. That's, that's what we all do now. Something happens, we all respond. Everybody has their take on whatever the thing is. And then I have my followers or whatever, and if they like my take, they put the little heart on it, and then, you know, uh, I, you know I got all these likes or whatever. Everybody likes my take on it. That can be confusing when you're in a family gathering for a holiday. Uh, you got to be able to, you got to be able to parse out what this gathering is about. This gathering is not about who is uh, most right, and that person, everybody's going to crown that person as the person who wins. That's not the way these conversations go. I think one of the big keys is to realize that Thanksgiving dinner is not the place to hash this stuff out. It's not the place to have these conversations. One, because it really, really won't work. It will not go well for you in the land. Um, to decide, you know, me and Aunt Edna, we're gonna we're we're going toe to toe about immigration on Thanksgiving. It's gonna be a knockdown drag out. Watch this, you know. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna end the way that you hope it is. It's not gonna end with you getting some, you know, uh, with you getting some likes and feeling good about your take on stuff. That's not the way that goes. I think an important thing is to realize that Thanksgiving. In a gathering like Thanksgiving, at its best, it is a time to be together with people you don't see that much and hopefully have a good time. At its worst, it's about surviving the day. It's about coming out alive. That's, that's, that's our goal here. So uh, with that in mind, here's a couple practical tips. If you care about anybody else in that room, like, oh, I really, really love cousin so-and-so, let's just make it about that person. It's going to ruin that person's day if I have that knockdown drag out conversation with Aunt Edna. It's going to be horrible for them. And so for the sake of them, I'm just going to swallow that thing down and I'm going to be kind or genial or or civil or whatever it is. Another thing is, um, never, ever, ever underestimate the value of just a surface level conversation person to person, all throughout the day. Just get through it with short conversations about whatever. Um, another thing I would say, just as a practical tip from my own experience in, in situations like this, never underestimate the value of a good board game, a good football game on TV, or a bathroom break. Stuff heats up, guess what? It's time to go to the bathroom. And you can just go in there and hang out for a little while. And guess what? Nobody really comes and looks for you in there. You can cool off, get a cold compress. They probably got a compress in there that you can make cold. And then when you've cooled off, you can rejoin You can rejoin the group and, and hope to survive the day. This is our goal, is we want to look for, with somebody that you potentially have a difficult situation with, is there anything that we can agree on? Um, 
we both like the Detroit Lions or something like that. Cool, let's talk about the Detroit Lions as long as we can and then take a bathroom break and move on to somebody else. Uh, you know, be, to be civil, to be generous, to ask good questions. And if stuff starts to heat up, just find a way to tap out. This day is not for that thing. And I think that's an, an important thing to understand. This is not the Twitterverse. You are not going to get likes on, the, on your take on things. This is a day to survive the day. Really something that should be crocheted into something that would appear on every Thanksgiving table. Let's just all survive. And Glenn, what would we, what would we add to uh, the very good place Lee sort us off there? Well, I think when we're talking about family stuff and you know getting together for the holidays, actually, I want to start with this perspective of uh, feeding off of what Lee was talking about here. The idea that um, it's it's Christmas or Thanksgiving time, and I'm hanging out with the the family and stuff. I don't know what's going on with your family, uh, but nobody in my family has a degree in political science. Really, none of them has a degree <laughs> in economics. Really, uh, none of them, besides myself, knows anything about the criminal justice system. Well, so. You don't say. Um, Here's the thing. Why, Do they know that? They definitely don't know that. Ah, there's I the think thing. some of this goes back to Matt's last comment about the mediocre, you know, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't want to hear the uninformed rantings of you people, you know, because you don't know anything about this. So there's that. Uh but what I want to do is, well, I, I, I might try to find a polite way of saying that. I probably wouldn't and then would just blurt it out. Uh, that makes me a different kind of person, but that's, that's what that is. But it's about shifting that to tell me about what's going on in your life that is relevant to you and important to you that's, that you do know about. Uh, that could be a problem with your work that you just want to gripe about. That could be uh, a new hobby that you've taken up. It could be a book that you just read. Any of that would interest me on on some level. I, I've I've got an uncle that we're very very different people, very different personalities in a lot of ways. Uh, he has a profession that's very different from mine. All of that, um, but we, for whatever reason, we tend to read the same books and. Whatever I haven't read and he has, it's always fascinating to me. And I can just sit and listen to him talk about it all day long, really. I really enjoy it. So we can find a point of connection. But that's, 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 about, that's not about the two of us talking about stuff on the news that neither one of us knows anything about. It's right. uh, talking about stuff that we do know that's part of our lives and part of what's affecting us emotionally. I think... If, if if there's a way to build that into the culture of the family, let, let's not get everybody's hot takes on nonsense you don't know anything about. Tell me about you. What's going on with you? Um, I think it's also important to get uh, a sense of perspective, especially for us as Christian. There, as Christians, there's family and then there's relatives, and that's not the same mm-hmm. two groups there. I have people who are family to me. They are on this podcast, by the way. And uh, those people know me, they understand me, I trust them, there's a whole different level of closeness. I don't have that level of closeness with any relative that I have. 
And that's uh, and I have great relationships with most of my relatives. To to be fair, so e- even the crazy ones. But with 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 the, the point. Do you want to specify which are which? Yes, I do. Oh. Uh, get out a pen and a piece of paper. We'll make a list. No, uh, the, the, but the reality is, um, I need to to recognize these aren't these people aren't family to me. They're they're my relatives, and that's meaningful and it's important. There are connections I share with. Uh, my relatives, because we have a history there, and there's there's just that's part of my roots, and there's a meaningfulness to that. But I don't want to think that is co-equal with family. I I want to think of the people that are in my close knit inner circle of friends. That's my people. That's my tribe. That's my uh, sense. I want to get my sense of family from that. So if I can draw those lines, it makes it easier to put up with people that, that are my relatives that that aren't very nurturing to me and that kind of stuff. Uh, and that kind of leads me to land on uh, this idea of uh, uh, a concentric circles. You'd have an inner circle, uh, maybe that's a spouse uh, and yourself and God. Uh, if you're single, that's you and your really, really close friends that you're really tight with. It might be a Bible study, cell group, those kinds of things. And then going out from there, you have larger and larger circles, but those relationships are less intimate. There's less of a trust bond there. These are more of, you know, going from friends to buddies to people you see at church or people that your coworkers with and whatever. There, that doesn't mean we love any of those people less or that they're less important people. It's just this idea of giving ourselves permission to say, I've got an inner circle. It's an awesome inner circle. It's it's a good number of people that are that are good to me. I've got that need met. I don't need my family to meet that need. Right. I think that's a really key point about managing some expectations on this. We talked about a lot on the show. Um, there's again, well, we're going to bash on Christmas here because I think this is Christmas bleeding into Thanksgiving. There's the idea that well, this needs to be the time of year where we all come together, and there's a children's choir singing that none of us know where that's come from and it all smells like chestnuts and are we all just going to put our incredible massive very real differences aside for just tonight and then we'll go back to hating each other in the morning but can't it's christmas we've all heard i've heard that can't you just behave it's christmas and that's always on the person who's like saying hey maybe uh that's crazy racist to think for some reason the person saying the racist crap they're not ruining Christmas. <laughs> right, I'm right. ruining Christmas by putting it out. But Jed, I say, let's say, uh, to go back to, to Lee's point of hashing, not the time to hash it out. Um, do we need to recalibrate some of our expectations of what a successful family gathering at the holidays is and yeah. uh, shoot for that? No, I totally agree. And I, I agree with everything that, that's been said so far. I think that's a lot of really good wisdom. I think success uh, to me is communicating to people that they are loved and cared about. And then leaving. I think that's success. Um, To that end, I would offer you three strategies that have certainly helped me. The first is, and I learned this from Glenn, don't be afraid of shallow interactions. There's nothing wrong with that. Religious people in general and Christians specifically feel like everything needs to be deep or it doesn't count. That's not true. Um, Glenn was talking about talking to his uncle about the book. You know, tell me about the books you've been reading. Yep. I do that all the time everywhere I go. Yep. Don't don't look down on, don't be afraid of shallow interactions. Those are good. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are good. I mean, basically, um, 
part of expectation management is being aware of the level of interaction that a person is capable of Absolutely. without steering this into a ditch. Yeah. And yep. for a lot of people, it's pretty dang shallow what they're capable <laughs> of without causing a problem. Right. So respect their capacity and don't give them more than they can handle. That's actually not fair to them. The next thing is there's a time to be assertive and simply change the subject. Um, uh, yeah. One of our staff people, one of my favorite people in the world is Miss Tasha Lawson, uh, who has coined the phrase, well, to intentionally change the subject right. and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, do that. You know, if, if somebody gets off on something, you don't need to get in fight. You don't need to get into an argument. Say, well, anyway, weren't you mentioning me that book that you were reading that you were really enjoying? Do that. I do it all the time. Yeah. Uh, actually, truth be told, 99 out of 100 people don't even notice when I've done that uh, yeah. because most people are not that observant. So be... They just want to be talking. They just want to be talking. Keep them talking. Just change the subject. Give them something else to talk about. Most people will go with that. And that leads to the next thing. If you've got someone that refuses to keep it shallow, refuses to get onto a non-offensive subject, no one has time to leave. Yeah. And that's... that's and here's what I would say to you is every party has an hour of expiration. Um, they really do. I, I have relatives where I've learned that this is the number of hours they can behave themselves. Um, it's not really a matter of will or desire. It's just starting about, let's just call it six hours in. I can see them vibrating with the desire to say something (laughs) awful. Yeah. (laughs) And so I plan to be gone at hour number six. Um, you know, obviously if you're, if your living situation is such that you're not really able to do that, it's a separate consideration. But uh, if you don't live with these people and you have your own means of conveyance, man, know when it's time to leave. Um, it's, it's true in show business. It's true in relative interactions. Leave them wanting more. Uh, that's right. If I could just very please, quickly yeah. jump in on that point, cause I think that's killer. If, if you, if you leave them wanting more and they do want more, that means this was a good interaction. So it's yeah. sort of a good sign when they say, Man, we wish you could just hang out more. That's good, yes, yes, because this has been good. It's about to not be good, so I'm going to leave. But that that's sort of like a good complaint in a way. Exactly right. And that takes us back to what Matt was asking, you know, how do we know we've succeeded? If people are like, oh, gosh, you got to go already, that's success. Yeah. That's, yes, I do, but I'm looking forward to next time. That's right. Um, one more bonus point real quick that I would put in there is this is – Different people are able to modulate their behavior to different size groups. And this is maybe a little more of an advanced thing, but if you observe your relatives, you'll find that some can be totally cool when it's just kind of them and you, and some really need other people around to kind of diffuse the weirdness. Uh, and you can intentionally try and find activities that cater to people's strengths. I've I've got both kinds in my relatives, people who do much better when they're solo and much better when they're in a group. Uh, there's not a moral right or wrong to either. It's just being aware of which is less likely to have unacceptable behavior. Um, so again, that that's a little bit you know more advanced, but but it's something good to observe because if you can dial that in, that will also help. Yeah, I think it's a great point. It ties in exactly what uh, Lee was saying with the uh, you know if it if it's if it's you know, sellers of Catan or it's hey who wants to put in a movie or here's here's the thing um, if you're in one of these situations which everyone on the show has been in where it just seems like everybody at this gathering is kind of miserable. Part of that may come from the fact that nobody's taking any active steps to make this not miserable. Yeah. And right. even if you're on the young side or you're the kind of river, it's sometimes you get to the point where it's worth the Hail Mary of saying, who wants to put on a movie? Yeah. And then we can all <laughs> silently sit and watch the movie. Yeah. And I'll make the popcorn or whatever. Pop that. Sometimes we have a, a, a motif that comes up a lot around here. We're dealing with uh, kind of talking about people who are 
really stuck in a situation, which is the idea of if you're unhappy, change something. If you're unhappy enough, change anything. Right. (laughs) If this is if the situation you're in, in this case, is is going badly enough that anything is better than this, try anything. Yeah. Try touch football game. Try let's make another pie. Try something that is an activity that is not everyone sitting around possibly drinking and staring at each other. Um, you may not get a buy-in on there, but it's worth a shot. Yep. We're going to go to our final question here. It comes in anonymously. It says, I know it is important to quote unquote, move forward in my walk, but I don't really know what that means. The only suggestions I seem to encounter are come to more church stuff and read more Christian books. And that doesn't seem like it to me. What am I missing? And Glenn, why don't you kick us off? Well, I'm going to announce today my new Christian book that I'm Ooh, coming out with. Uh-huh. It's nice. entitled It's entitled A Book Cannot Be a Pastor. <laughs> and that is the first ever edition to the New York Times worstseller list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I uh, hate that idea. That's yeah. not what Christians want to hear. Yeah. But Glenn, how's anybody going to make money off of that idea? Yeah, just let it all sink in, people. You I had to need... become a pastor to talk to these malukes. I want to sell a book. <laughs> you need a pastor. You don't need a book. A book can't substitute for a pastor. You've all been doing that for about 40 years now. It has not gone well. It is really not going well. <laughs> Gestures uh, vaguely in the direction of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You just pointed at all of me. <laughs> yep. It, it, it just it, the book centric Christian life really needs to be reexamined. Dude. Well, well, Glenn, let me. You're, you're exactly right. Let me let me ask for a little more clarification on that because, yeah. unfortunately, as you as exactly what you're saying, book centric Christianity has expanded out into the meat space right. where you try to have a conversation with someone who has the title of pastor or minister or whatever, and they either quote a book right. or give you a book to read yes, or give you the the series of things they would put in their book if they were writing a book. Right. That's right. So I, you're absolutely right. You need someone in your life you can sit down and talk with. But I, I worry that we're at the point where so little of that is happening. People don't know what that should look like in a healthy way. Yeah, well, I think fundamentally you need someone who will listen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the main thing that we're talking about here is having a time where you're sitting down and talking about your specific thing and someone's learning that, they're taking it in, they're understanding and assessing your unique situation. And then they're helping you deal with your struggles as you try and move from that struggle from that place where you're at to the ideals that are in scripture that is not going to fit within the narrative of a, like a book structure you know what i mean That's right it's not a one size fits all type of thing once you know this person's struggle and you know what the word says and you can map out how do we get from where we are to where we need to be then that's the nature of the conversation that's where where the ministry really begins so um understand everybody on this podcast reads stuff that's christian and that inspires us and encourages us and that's great um and that's that's part of our walks part of our lifestyles part of what we're into but let's make no mistake that is no substitute for someone who knows me can mentor me can inspire me can hold me accountable all of that stuff uh so that's not taking the next level uh, having more Christian accoutrement and lifestyle and you know culture and all that, that is not making you more Christian. 
Well, let me let me pitch this, Glenn. This building you come to once a week, you could come five times a week. Yeah, that's it. Imagine how much more, five times more Christian. Yeah, that's, that at is. At least. Yeah, that does not track at all. Um, you know, listening to more Christian music, reading more Christian if books. If anything, that may have the opposite effect. <laughs> For me, it would. If you're but, in the Chick-fil-A, it definitely will. Yeah, that's right. Anybody that's ever uh, gotten more sanctified off that. Uh, yeah, the the you know, so it's this idea of if we figure out a Christian lifestyle, then we live more of that, then that's next level Christianity. That's no that that's literally Pharisaical. That's yeah. actually stuff Jesus criticized of saying you do that and you think that's it. So clearly, that is not the next level. Now, again, if you if there's Christian music that you like and you want to listen to, and that's helping you with your walk, fantastic. That's as it should be, and and by all means, do that. But the reading and the music and the prayer time and the worship time and the fellowship time is all meant to fuel us for for going out and doing something. Ooh, I'm not sure I like that part. Yeah, that's right. Buying more books? Yeah, no, I'm not buying more books. The next level is service. That's uh-huh. if you want to know what moving forward in your walk is, it's, it's serving. Now, that can be anything. The Bible is very clear. He says, you know, the, the, he describes the, the entire group of Christians, all Christians together, is like being a body, and each body has a different function. The Bible says none of these functions is more important than the other, and that they all need each other, and that's really important to look at, that whatever you do to serve, it's not more or less important than what someone else does to serve. So, finding a way to serve that is exciting to you, that's energizing to you, gives you a place to start, get on that, figure out that place to start. Maybe it doesn't feel exactly right, but there's some elements of that that you like. Roll that over into another area to serve and keep uh, progressing forward and finding a, a situation where you can do some good, where you can uh, participate in the work of the kingdom. That's next level. So that can be doing uh, evangelism. That's outreach type stuff. That's what we do. We go to the jailhouse. We start with people fresh. We go to drug rehabs. We talk to people on the streets, all of that kind of stuff. So we, we start at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning with people. Uh, that's, that's not the most important ministry. That's not the most amazing ministry. That's not, you know, it just, it, it, it's evangelism. Mm-hmm. And we love doing right. it. And it's, it, it, it takes a certain skill set to pull it off that we've learned over the many years. And there's discipleship, and we do tons of that as well. That's taking people who have accepted the Lord and moving them forward in that walk with the goal that one day that they'd be able to share their faith with other people. It's a, a very different skill set. We end up doing probably more of that than we do of the evangelism. Um, and uh, it's a different hat that you wear. You're, it's, it sort of obeys different rules. Uh, different personalities are drawn to different types of callings within that. And the third category is old school term we call helps, and that's uh, that is literally just helping someone who is doing evangelism or discipleship. So if that's setting up chairs, that's ministry. If you're setting up chairs for a worship service where these people are going to come in and get ministered to, that's because of you. If they all had to stand, believe me, they would not be listening to this pastor go past the first five minutes of the sermon. So uh, finding ways of of uh, serving is that next level. Once you do that, 
You're going to find music that excites you and energizes you. You're going to find a book that really opens up your head and how to do this better. You're going to read scripture in a whole different ways. All these things will come alive. But if you just do the lifestyle and and there's 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 faith, but there are no works, it's it's going to be dead. I've heard that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, Lee, I'd love to get you to pick this up here. I think one of the things that uh, to build on what Glenn is talking about here is uh, again, if it's not something you've ever really done or something you've heard discussed in, constructive, discussed in a constructive way, this idea of I want to grow and I want to you know move forward and all these terms we use, I think one of the key misunderstandings people have about that is the idea of seeing them holistically. To see, I want to be quote I want to be more Christian than I was on Friday than I was on Monday. Sure. If sure. you're doing it, it's not really the way it works. It's about specifics. It's about I want to grow in this area. I want to work on this. And it's, it's very piecemeal, that, that target can change. But I think that specificity is a key to actually understand what's going on here. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole thing, is that, that Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to be friends. That's what, that's what he told his guys the last night that he hung out with them. He said, he said I, I, I did this whole thing so that we can be friends. Um, it, God the Father wants to be your dad. He wants to be the the. He wants to be the one that you go to, the one that you call upon. He. This is a. This is all relationship stuff. And the problem with that Christian culture, or the books, or the music, and all that kind of stuff that Glenn was talking about is that's all reductive. It's all kind of a cookie cutter thing. There's a one size fits all feeling to that of like. When somebody says, this is the book you need, this is going to unlock your Christianity, this is going to take you to the next place, well, that doesn't make any sense, because the whole point of my Christianity is that I have a relationship with Jesus now. That's the whole point of it. We're friends. And so he knows what needs to change in me to get me to the place that he wants me to be. He knows the things that I need to work on today, the things that I need to prioritize next week, the things that he's going to bring into my into into my uh you know vantage point, you know, within the next few months or whatever that is. It's it's a fingerprint thing. It's so individual. I was meeting with a couple recently, kind of to piggyback on what Glenn was talking about. I was reading meeting with a couple recently. We're talking about their marriage, talking about the way that they fight. You know, they've been married for a few years. We're talking about the way that they fight. And man, it was so interesting. I mean, I'm sitting here listening to this. Nobody that ever wrote a book about married people or fighting or anything would have ever gotten within a hundred miles of what was going on with these people. And that was so, it was, I was having fun just listening to it. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So when, when he does that, how do you respond? And then she responds. And I'm like, dude, that is so interesting. Okay, now where do we think this comes from? We talked about it, asked questions, and you find out the thing. They're so unique. They had so much unique stuff going on. And Jesus has an individual relationship with both of those people. And he's walking them in different ways through this whole thing. Here's the other thing about this. It's not just that Jesus wants to change individual things about you in different ways that he wants to change things about Glenn or Jed or Matt. Or me, it's also that he has different adventures he wants to take mm-hmm, you on mm-hmm. that he doesn't that he's not taking other people on. He's got an adventure for you that he's never had planned, you know, for Jed or whatever. And that is a cool thing too. This is about a friendship. This is about a relationship. This is where you're a kid in a new family. It's always about relationships. And relationships, you're not gonna get anything out of a book. A book is a finite thing. 
You're not going to get something out of a book that's going to help you with an individual relationship. I think that the number one thing that a person could do, you know, and you're not going to get it, by the way, by going to more church stuff either. And that's coming from a guy that works at a church and wants people to come to the church things. But you're not going to get it by coming to more of the church things. I think that we could gain so much more in growing if we would maybe back off of some of the church things, maybe put a few of the books down and spent a little bit more time listening to Jesus, just in quiet listening. What do you want to change about me today? What do you want to tell me about our relationship? What adventures do you want to take me on? That's how you find that next step. That's how you find out the service that Glenn's talking about or whatever is next for you, because this is an individual fingerprint, unique relationship. And that's the whole key. That's absolutely right. That's all very, very smart stuff. Jeb, let me just close out here. And let's let's look at... Something both Lee and Glenn have brought up here, which is uh, service as this kind of capstone. Sure. Because I, I think that's that's absolutely uh, spot on. But again, a thing that may be ill understood in some places, which is the idea of um, because it is uh, the way to, it is kind of the, the end point of this. It's something we want to do. It is the way to this. There's also, I think that can uh, pair up with kind of something we were talking about the imposter syndrome earlier of, well, but I don't know if I'm ready to do that. I don't sure. know if I'm there yet. Which it doesn't really work that way, as, as Glenn's pointing out. It's you kind of jump first, and then, as they say, you learn to build an airplane on the way down. Sure. So there's a certain amount of just do it, and how does that inform all this other we're talking about? It's a great question. So if I had to pick two key things uh, to move forward in your walk, uh, I would agree with everything you've heard so far. Uh, item number one would be figuring a functional way to serve other people. And item number two, which is actually going to go hand in hand with it, is dealing with your issues. Now, I want to be crystal clear. Dealing with your issues is not the same as sinning less. Um, uh, it may result in sinning less, but that's, it's a different thing. Let me explain what I mean. Suppose that you got involved with uh, the kids' ministry at your church. They, they need people to help with the little children and people to watch over them. And maybe you can't do it every week, but you know, you can do it once a month and whatnot. And so you, you start doing that. All right. Well, suppose that, you know, you do it for a little while and then you start to feel a little bit resentful. Like, you know, I don't feel like this is really the best use of my abilities. A person of my stature could probably contribute a bit more. Okay. Which here's the thing. Um, everybody's had their own version of that thought. So there's, you know, there's no shame in that. Now you could, you could look at that and you could say, well, that's, that's a prideful thought, which it is. And, and it's, and it's an arrogant thought, which it is. And, and pride and arrogance are sins. So you, you shouldn't have that thought that, and that's true, but that's actually kind of the end of a process of analysis. That's, right. that's really not where we begin. If you find that you're trying to contribute, but you keep coming back to this sense of almost resentment about, you know, I just, I just feel like, you know, my, you know, this is just, you know, below me. Well, here you may have an issue. You may have a hang up of feeling overlooked in your life, of feeling unappreciated in your life. Yes, there will be elements of, of sin undoubtedly kind of in and through that, but doesn't necessarily do us a lot of good to just isolate what's sinful about it. And now you got to stop doing that. It's more understanding where is the sense of resentment coming from? Yeah. Where is the sense of feeling overlooked and unappreciated come from? Who, as Glenn is saying, who can I talk to 
about that? Do I have someone that I can sit down with and say, I know I'm wrong. I'm not claiming that this is a righteous attitude, but here's how I feel. Can you help me figure out how I'm getting into this? Because here's the thing. You probably have had stuff in your life where you were overlooked. You probably have had stuff in your life where you were unappreciated, and we need to get into that. This is an issue for you. This is a hang-up for you. But the way we found it is by getting in the motion of serving. We started serving, then we realized there was something in the way. There was something keeping us from this work that God had for us, keeping us from going deeper with this adventure that God had for us. And so exactly as Matt is describing, we're building this airplane on the way down. We're discovering obstacles on the way, and then we're facing those obstacles head on. If you combine everything you've heard here, as Lee is saying, if you go to the Lord in stillness and prayer and you ask, what's next for me? What adventure do you want me to go on? What's in the way? Where do you want me to serve? You start listening for that voice, and then you start taking those steps, and then you find the things that stand in the way of those steps, those issues, and then you sit down with that actual pastoral figure who actually knows your actual name because they're invested in your actual life and you talk things out. Dude, You will have, if you do those things, you will be moving forward in your walk in a way that almost no one ever does. You Preach. will be doing the grand prize walk forward movement. Uh, and the beautiful thing is there's nothing to stop you. You can start that process right now today. We believe you. We believe in you. We're praying for you. We got your back. Absolutely. That is all really fantastic. Uh, stuff there. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking a song this week. This is from the ever mysterious and elusive pool house guru. Yeah. Song from this much bridge, bridge box called Enough. Take out that. Just remember, thanks for listening. We love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, keeping the dream alive of one day having a Gripes Giving Day parade. It's just me on a float flipping everybody the bird. <laughs> <laughs> I will have enough for the next step that you put in front of me. I will have enough for the next step, cause you're the one sustaining me. Enough time, enough heart, enough clarity. Enough time, enough heart, enough clarity. Yeah.
Everything is shattered, you were there and you provide I have enough for the next step That you put in front of me I will have enough for the next step Cause you're the one sustaining me Enough time, enough heart Shattered, you were there and you provide I'm the middle of the earthquake and when I'm on fire And everything is shattered, you were there and you provide